Well, welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, where Calvary teachers look at uh, the passage or the topic from the week before, um, take a little deeper look. And uh, today I'm joined by Pastors Terry and Pastor Chris. It's good to be back together. We it haven't is. been we the three of us for yeah, a few yeah, weeks. It's been, been, been yeah. a while. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so today we are in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. And uh, as I was telling you guys right before we got on, like if we get through <laughs> verse five in this, I'm going to count that there as a go. successful. Uh, oh well, we got to get to Abraham. I got stuff I'm not going to use on the weekend. I have so to we share have to here. get to at least verse we have six. To get here is yeah. what we say. All right. So that being said, let's just dive in. And this uh, Paul is continuing the argument that he's set forth um, that you have these Jewish Christians um, who were imposing uh, additional requirements on those in uh, the church in Galatia, uh, and he's saying no, that's not the gospel, right? The gospel is, as you've been saying over and over, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And um, he's now going to do, uh, you wouldn't want to argue against Paul, because he's going to do a little bit of a, a bait and switch, if you will, taking their own mm-hmm. uh, chief witness and using it against them, right. essentially, uh, in here. So um, any just initial thoughts before we kind of jump into this passage? Well, he moves more theological. This is kind of very personal, the first couple chapters. So now, as you said, he's getting really deep and theological. He's going to use Abraham, then he's going to use Moses, you know, kind of the covenants kind of go through scripture and talk about that. So it's a little, as you said, there's lots in here. It's a little headier than Mm -hmm. his own personal experience early. Yeah, he's bringing in the boomstick, right? (laughs) Like he's not, he's not playing around in Galatians. And uh, I think when you look at chapter three, it's, a little bit of the pinnacle of that of okay hey get your heads on right go yeah. back to the original good and beautiful gospel that was preached like stop being deceived mm-hmm. cool well, let's jump in all right so verse one oh foolish galatians man what <laughs> what a pastor uh who has bewitched you uh, it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified i want to stop uh just stop here the Galatian church did not witness Jesus and his crucifixion. Right. Right. Yet he says it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Mm-hmm. How, how is that so? Well, I think that in their own experience of grace, that they saw the power, you know, they heard the stories, they saw, they experienced Christ that laying themselves at the foot of the cross and, and experiencing Christ put to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is part of what Paul is saying. Christ puts to death things in our life. And exp- they had a personal encounter when they came to, mm-hmm. to Christ. Yeah. So they, they hear the legitimate gospel on like the first go round and then they get to see the life transformation and everything that's happening in Galatia. And then the Judaizers come in and preach an alternative gospel. Mm-hmm. And now now Paul has to come back in and course correct back to the original thing yeah. that was preached, which was Christ crucified. Yeah, and that... that so I'm glad you said the word preached there. Yeah. Because um, I do think that's what Paul is alluding mm-hmm. here. Like that you... He was publicly portrayed as crucified through the preaching of the of true the yeah. of the true word, the true mm-hmm. uh, the true gospel. Um, and I, I think we're going to see here later, like he's actually asking them to encounter that again yeah. and see it again. And so, a question that I, I kind of want to go application, you know, before we kind of you know dive further in is, 
What does it look like for for us to um, preach the gospel? What does it, Terry, what does it look like for you to preach the gospel to yourself? Chris, what does it look like for you to preach the gospel to yourself? What does it look like for you to redepict the gospel? Um, kind of is what Paul is going to be doing here. Yeah. Well, we talked a bit about some of that on Sunday, uh, on the weekend. Um, I, I think it's fascinating because Paul seems to be here, like, go back to when you first came to Christ. And I, I'm equating that with Revelation. And when Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, you've lost your first love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to remember, uh, repent and, and redo. And there's something about going back to that moment where we first came to Christ. And it, and how did we feel? How did we do that? What was God doing in our life? And I think, again, you know, as we talked, it's like if I'm dealing with an issue of anger, what does that mean? It's that anger, that person, that situation, it's become my God. It's become something I'm worshiping. It's become all-consuming and controlling over me. And I have to go back to the cross and realize I, I can't fight anger on my own, but that Jesus did it for me. Mm-hmm. And that he, you know, I have to lay it down and let let Christ put that to death and realize I am I'm dead to that, but I'm alive to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is a day, you know, which is I think part of Paul's point. It's a daily living in light of the the cross and the crucified self. Yeah, I think the Ephesians bit is really good, right? Like go back to your first love. I think that's a similar call here. I also go back to just give us today our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a constant daily dependence on going back to the source of the physical and the spiritual provisions in our life. And so it's um, I think if we just remember to go back for that that spiritual bread day after day after day, I think we're always going to realize that there's a massive need mm-hmm. every day for the gospel. Um, you know, there's the one-time moment of salvation, but then there's a whole lifetime of cruciformity that we're going through. So, it's a good word, yeah. cruciformity. Yeah. yeah, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts here saying, "Who has bewitched you?" <laughs> is he is he getting at that? There's maybe some transcendent force in play there. Yeah, I I, I don't think he's. Um, alluding to, okay, someone like took out a wand and put a spell right, over right, them, right? Yeah. That's not what's in yeah, view here, yeah. right? So let's not import like <laughs> our fantasy literature into the Bible. Yes. Um, but he's saying like someone has fooled you. And, and foolishness is a common theme in the Bible. We see it in the Proverbs. We see it in the parables of the guy who sets out to build a tower mm-hmm. only to not assess the cost. And then everyone laughs at him because the tower's half finished. So um, he's drawing on very biblical language of like you're being a fool, and the fool is always someone to not model ourselves after in Scripture, and someone to to pity too, right? Yeah. To pity, and and so he's saying you've been deceived, like you've been hoodwinked, you've been, like the bait and switch, and you guys fell for it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so he comes out pretty blunt, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, twice in the yeah, he's really hot. Him. He says that and bewitched. Yeah, I mean, I think. As we talked in chapter two, there are these controlling, manipulative people mm-hmm. that had kind of yeah. come when Peter was there who had just kind of captivated their mind and caused them not to live according to how they really had believed they should live. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this is what Satan tries to do in our life all the time. He wants to diminish the power of Christ. It's mm-hmm. not about Christ. It's something else. And you see how the churches keep moving. It's, it's about something else. You see 
Eastern religions where it's karma, it's what you do, you do better, you do good, you get rewarded. I mean, that's kind of the whole idea almost any other religion is that you you will get rewarded according to how well you do. Mm-hmm. And it's not what we do, it's what Jesus has mm-hmm. done for us. And Paul keeps coming back again mm-hmm. to that. Um, all right, let's look at uh, verse two and verse three. These are kind of parallel verses. He's saying yeah. kind of the same thing, using some questions uh, here. We're even gonna see even these first five verses, he asks five different uh, questions. So verse two, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So so Paul is, is saying, hey, listen, it's not that the gospel, right? The gospel, hearing the gospel, responding to the gospel, that's that's kind of the entry into, you know, God's kingdom. But it you don't leave the gospel aside, right? Right. Right? And, and then work out your salvation through your own works. And so there's a few different like things that I think Paul is playing at here. I wanted to ask you guys um, this. First is um, when he when he uses uh, phrases like works of the law, like what what does he mean by that? Well, I think as we talked last last week there's in the Old Testament the moral law, the civil law, and then the spiritual law. I like how do you relate to God? Yeah. These are things you do and as the Jewish people get these are things you do to love him. Right? That's why it was so meaningful to them and they were passionate about it. This is how we love God and this is what we do. And so that's what I think he's saying. Our, you know, did, did you, the, the works of the Spirit, I think, receiving the Spirit, is like, did, I think they saw God manifested in their life. They saw fruit. They saw God do stuff. And they're like, is, did that happen because you made something happen? Is that happened because of the way you ate or mm-hmm. what you rested on the Sabbath? Did it happen? Or it's because of God's grace about your relationship with with Jesus. So, you know, it's this fine line that we we don't obey to impress God. God's impressed us in Christ and we obey. And it's that constant kind of just think, okay, it's out of that love. We've got to go back to that cross moment. This is what Jesus did. And and part of that is God's at work in our midst. Mm-hmm. You know, everything and he's gonna talk more about the Holy Spirit in the mm-hmm. last couple of chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the Judaizers. It's like the gospel is the good, it's like the starting gun of a race. But then they say, well, to finish the race well, though, you're going to have to be circumcised. You're going to have to stop eating bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers. Like, you're going to have to do all these things to finish the race well. So it's almost like, you know, it's saying, oh, there's this sequel to the gospel, Mm -hmm. and it is, you know, what you need, where Paul's saying, like, no, actually, the gospel is all you need. Um, these cultural and ritualistic and ceremonial things, like they were okay for the people of Israel at a time. Um, but like the, the full law is fulfilled in Christ. Like we no longer need these things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a strong argument to be made. By the time that Jesus and Paul are on the scene, like their understanding of even the proper use of the law at that point is so perverted yeah. that they don't even know the true meaning of the law. Like they're so lost yeah. in their Pharisee-like behavior that yeah. they're, you know, they're lost anyway. <laughs> yeah, I want to hold on to that because um, I do want to ask, you know, kind of what is the purpose of the law here here in a minute. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, he uses the word uh, flesh, and I think this is the first time in Galatians he uses the word flesh. We see it in a lot of Paul's writings. He's constantly uh, contrasting what it means to live by the flesh versus what it means to live by the spirit. Um, the word flesh, like what, what's he getting at there? 
Yeah, I think it's the physical part mm-hmm. of us, you know, that there's a spiritual part, then there's, you know, I would say there's three, there's the spirit, there's the soul, which the mind, body, will, and then there's uh, our our, our mind, emotions, and will, and then there's our body and mm-hmm. our flesh. And so I, I think he's pairing those two, uh, the soul and the body, kind of that's our flesh. Are we doing it out of human effort? Mm-hmm. Is it just our own? Or is God doing a work mm-hmm. in us? And I think that's always the challenge. Are we doing things only God can do through us? Are we just doing things we can do? Um, and I think that's why people love going on mission trips. They love experiencing different things. They love stepping out of their comfort zone because they're like, man, I feel God with mm-hmm. me because I'm not doing what I'm comfortable doing. I have to rely on God to do something. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in the New Testament, we see the flesh as kind of alluding to these um, sinful human desires yes. of lust and gluttony and, it's like s- and this sloth. inward and, uh, enemy that's just kind of... yeah. In us and dwelling. Yeah, that was my next question I was going to ask is like, is the flesh synonymous with our sinful nature? Because I think at least growing up in youth group and reading the Bible, like I would make those two things synonymous and I'm not sure that Paul would. Yeah. Well, I think it's big for Paul because he refers to the flesh as like these desires and these sinful things. But like also Paul is a huge proponent of bodily resurrection. Mm -hmm. Like, our physical being is impacted by the resurrection and the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Like, we will raise again. So, um, yeah, I I think as you see Paul's theology develop, like, it's important that that part of the being is being redeemed as well. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're not just minds on a stick. Or, you know, it's not just like our soul or, you know, a ghost-like form is just going to float away. No, like, Mm -hmm. we'll Mm -hmm. experience physical redemption as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i i do want to also ask i think here and what we're talking about is is what paul's talking about is he wants to make sure that the galatians understand what the true gospel is and then he's working and playing it out um but i do think we can get something from uh sanctification in this as well yeah. right like if the gospel it's not just a starting point I, I love that metaphor of the race um it's not just the starting point and then we work out our own sanctification essentially yeah. by doing things and following the law and being good. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems like what Paul is saying is no, no, no. The gospel also is what sanctifies you. Right. Yeah. Right. right. How, how do you guys see that playing out? Like how, how have you seen the gospel sanctifying yourself? Um, and then how would you even like talk about sanctification as a, a gospel thing and not just something that we're in control of and doing? Yeah, that's a great question. That's the, <laughs> that's the Christian life question. And which, yeah. We'll get to a bit in, you know, the last couple chapters, because mm-hmm. that's Paul's going to talk about talk through the walking spirit. in the talk. spirit and mm-hmm. what, it, you know, kind of the, the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit and how those uh, work out. I think it's like, you know, I realize I can't do things. This is where prayer is important to come. Like, I can't do it. I'm a mess. I can't do it. I've got to rest on God. I got to, um, you know crucify myself, as you said, you know, lay things down and die to them on a regular, okay, why am I struggling? Why is this bad? Why am I driven to do this? I've got to put that, that to mm-hmm. death. And so I think, you, you know, it's, um, you know, we live in a kind of, again, a try harder, be better world. Mm-hmm. And we just think we have to do that. God wants me to do that as opposed to God's partnering me. I'm, He's going to bring things in. I've got to surrender to him. I've got to 
listen to him, read his word. What is he asking me to do? How can I do it his way and his power? And it's a very, it's probably a very personal thing how we, we do that individually, what that looks mm-hmm. like. I don't think there's a formula, but as you know, I think he's saying here, you got to go back to the cross and what needs to be crucified in you. Yeah, so, so I think to answer two of your questions, one, what is sanctification and mm-hmm. the Spirit's work in that? Uh, if I just had to nutshell it, it is us gaining taste buds, like for the things of God, mm-hmm. and us losing taste buds for the things of the flesh. Like if I had to nutshell, that's what I would say. And, and that takes time. Like yeah. gradually over time, the things that are of God will taste better and sweeter to us. And the things that are evil, the things that our flesh desires will taste more sour and more bitter over time. I think that's ultimately like sanctification. Um, and the spirit's a huge part in that. Now we're hard on the Judaizers, but I think oftentimes like we are very, very similar, right? Of like, yeah, saved by grace through faith. But then it's like, okay, if I didn't read my Bible or pray this many hours for this week, then now I feel like a terrible person and a horrible Christian, right? right? Like we do all these things. It's just not dietary laws. It's not circumcision. It's like, you know, hours spent devotionally or did I do that mission trip or like, did I do this or that? Like we, it's all different stuff, but we do the exact same, same thing. thing. It's like when we aren't at our peak of obedience and we feel less than, mm. and in those moments, mm-hmm. um, we're so loved, justified, in the cross um, just as much as when we're on the spiritual mountaintop, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I, I remember years ago I was listening to someone teach. I think they were going through um, Colossians, right? And, and, and Paul's letter to Colossians, he's, he is um, in a lot of ways describing what maturity in Christ looks like. And I think yeah. maturity in Christ and sanctification are, you know, those things go hand in hand, uh, union with Christ. You can throw all of them together. Right. Um, but, the, they, the, the preacher said um, that one of the one of the promises of God and one of the the greatest blessings of what the gospel does is that every day, whether I feel like it or look like it, I am more like Christ than the day than the, the previous day because of what Jesus has done on the cross and what the gospel. Yeah. Um, and that's a hard reality whenever you don't feel it. I think that's, that's right. the thing is like if I don't feel closer to God, how can yeah, I right. be more sanctified than I was? last week or last month or that moment whenever I put my faith in Jesus for the first time. Right. And I think that, I think we struggle with that because we, we want to feel it. Right. And we don't always feel it. Well, and a lot of this is we just have to lean into the mystery, right? Because like we have a union with Christ, we have a new nature. Mm -hmm. So if you are a believer, you don't have a sinful nature and yet you sin. Right? It doesn't make sense. That could be a deep dive all on its Just own. Just like it, do- <laughs> it doesn't make sense that Adam and Eve took the fruit. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that the Galatians were so easily bewitched. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense yeah. that we still have taste buds for evil things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the gradual cruciformity, the daily, right. like, take up your cross over decades and years. And, like, and slowly but surely, we will look more and more like Jesus. Yeah. Of renewing our mind, yeah. dying to self, you know, and I think some of that, you know, Paul writes to Timothy kind of about training. I think that's where just some of the disciplines of prayer and worship and study and mm-hmm. scripture, again, 
we shouldn't go, oh, I do those things, so God's going to bless me. It's yeah. like I'm training because I want to kind of yeah. grow in my spiritual. That's how I change mm-hmm. my taste buds or realize what are bad ones. And so, if, you know, if you if you miss a day of running or you miss it, it's like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, so it's that's not what gets me. Mm-hmm. But I'm training myself just to kind of live in situations so when a crisis of difficulty comes, yeah. I know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have that muscle yeah. memory. Yeah. Kind of like the one-year Bible. Like, are you yeah. still saved when you quit in February in Leviticus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you still are. Yeah. You're, you'll be fine. Yes. Try again. <laughs> Try again next year. Um, okay. So verse four, and then we want to get to Abraham. Obviously, yeah. we got yeah. a lot of stuff to cover there. So uh, verse four, did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So there's a, a shift here that Paul does in verses four and five where he goes from past tense. Hey, this is what the gospel is. This is what happened. This is the, the gospel that you heard and that you believed yeah. to present tense. The gospel is still doing something in your life. Oh, and guess what? That's the same as it was for Abraham. So yes. this is the great like. This is, a- this is, this is awesome. He is like. He's using their own words. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Terry, you already you already uh, teased Abraham a little yes, bit. Yes, so I teased him. Yeah. Well, he uses Abraham like because I think, as we said on the weekend, there in the Jewish culture there were three groups of people. There were natural born Jews. There were people who are called the sons of Abraham, who were Gentiles who converted to Judaism and did the law, and then the Theosebes who were interested in one God religion, uh, maybe hung out with them, but hadn't converted. So he's say, he's talking to people, and it's like the real sons of Abraham, children of Abraham, are those who have faith. The interesting thing, which we didn't get to spend a lot of time on, is verse 8. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Mm-hmm. So where is that? What's Okay, how did Abraham... Yeah. know the gospel. Like, what did he hear? What did he experience? And, you know, Paul is referencing, as we said, uh, Genesis 15. Yeah. yeah. Um, And he's um, discouraged because the promise hasn't come true. He hasn't fathered a child, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And God shows him the stars and reveals things. And it says he believed. Then right after that, there's this mysterious situation um, where God makes a covenant mm-hmm. with him and following the traditional covenant making where you would take pieces of animal, uh, birds they kept whole, mm-hmm. and they put them in two different places and then they'd walk in a figure eight around them. So he had Abraham. Abraham got the sacrifice. He knew what was coming. And in those covenants, it was like, we're making an agreement together. If one of us breaks it, mm-hmm. we're dead. Yeah, like, cursed. may it be to me. Yeah. We're, we're cursed. Mm-hmm. We're dead. So there, there's an interesting phrase. It's like, okay, even the hawks and the birds were coming and circling. Mm-hmm. So it, those pieces of meat have been there for a while. Mm-hmm. So God, Abraham does that. And he's to walk in, and he doesn't walk want to do that. There's blood in the middle of it because he knows he won't be able to keep it perfectly. And it's like, I'm not going, I'm cursing myself to death. So then God caused Abraham to sleep. Uh, There's a lamp and a torch. They walk through Mm -hmm. there, kind of a picture of God with Abraham, which is the gospel Mm -hmm. that we can't do that. We can't 
the only way we can make a covenant if God has an unconditional covenant yeah. with us, that he did it. And Jesus went to the cross, blood himself between two pieces of hanging mm-hmm. flesh, and, and made a covenant mm-hmm. for us. So in that, I think that's what Paul is saying, that, that Abraham understood. He might not have known it was Jesus. He might have known all the theological things, but he mm-hmm. knew, okay, this is the gospel. I, I'm doomed to try my best. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. But God came and he took my place mm-hmm. and walked through that. Mm-hmm. And then God credited him as righteous, right? Yeah. So even yeah. that yeah. word credited, um, it's got the same root as the, the logos, right? Like yeah. it's, the same, it's the same root there. There's something that God has to do that we can't earn. Um, it's a declaration, a status of righteousness on our behalf. Um, I, I do think it's, I mean, Paul is, a, I mean, this is a master stroke, right? He is saying, hey, this, you guys uh, consider yourselves sons of Abraham. And yet the thing that you're doing, one, there was no Mosaic law at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the thing you're doing isn't even the thing that Abraham did. And yeah. actually what really mean, you know, what it really means to be a son of Abraham is to be a spiritual son, to be a spiritual descendant, to, to have that same faith that Abraham um, does. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, like, to Terry's point is God's making this promise, like, through you, like, as many of the stars mm-hmm. will be blessed, right? You get the kind of immediate vibe of of people and physical descendants and land and, like, monarchy and all these promises yeah. that are playing out throughout the Old Testament. And then you get to Jesus and you get to the arguments that Paul's making and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is far bigger than we ever yeah. could imagine. Yeah. Like the sons and daughters are actually going to be yeah. the entire world, yeah. even the Gentiles. Yeah. It's a really b- beautiful picture we yeah. get there. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, my last question, and we'll, we'll probably uh, flesh this out a little bit more in, in the next couple of weeks, but uh, what is the purpose of the law for us today? Yeah. Well, that's the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. To help us understand that we need a Savior in some way to realize we can't, we can't do it. it even if we could do all these things, we, yeah. we really do need a Savior. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I, I think it, it reveals in us that it's a mirror that, that we fall short and like we need a Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, it also reveals to us so like characteristics of God, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in his law, we see like what does God value? Oh, preservation of human life. Like that's very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gives laws for that um and then also right like it in, it inspires righteous living so even though we know we're not going to be perfect we're not going to measure yeah. up 100 percent um it does like you know inspire us to value what we should value what god values but then ultimately it's the mirror that says you need something more than yourself yeah that's great that's great well thank you guys um for this conversation love just diving into these uh into god's word together asking questions uh wrestling with that a little bit uh if you enjoyed this uh talk if uh you got something out of it encourage you to share it with somebody else uh send them a text message share the youtube link or um through whatever podcasting app you listen on um we'll catch you again next week as we uh, continue in chapter three of paul's letter to the galatians thanks for listening to the deep dive a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.